0: Back in 2005, I was um, working with churches in France, trying to build a, a sort of network of churches in France where where the activity of God would be just manifest and normal. And um, and on the first Sunday evening of that that, that uh, Bible week, I, I I preached, but I had a couple of friends with me, and I made sure that they were enjoying God a lot beforehand, and. Um, and they were ro- rolling around at the front in this big marquee. I think Jeremy was there, weren't you? Were. First first rendezvous, Jeremy? Were you there? You were there, so he'll remember it. And, um, and I preached. Oh, no, I mind. I'm, I'm very happy with people laughing when I preach, okay? It's not a problem to me. And um, But the next morning I had a leaders meeting, and, um, and the leaders of the church are there. They said, you've got to stop. You've got to stop doing this. I said, why? They said, well, People don't, people don't like it. I said, well, do you think it's God? Or not? I said, that's the question. Is, do you think, is it God or not? It doesn't matter whether people like it or not, is it God or not? And um, I said, I'm, I'm not stopping because I believe it's God. And it's up to you to to try and help your folks enter into what God is doing. That's what good, that's what good leadership will do. And... Uh, and it was it was an interesting because I, I said I will never, never apologise for the work of or the activity of God. I will try and explain it, but I won't ever apologise for it. And uh, right now we're just people having fun in the in the presence of God. And um, and it was it was quite an interesting time. And the lead, the other leads they weren't very happy with me, but I said I'm not stopping. <coughs> and um, that evening we had a. Uh, had a a meeting which was actually with all the the whole camp which in children and youth and the adults and um, and we just kept going. That evening the power of God fell in this tent and the, the manifest glory of God came in this place and the seven and eight year olds were so impacted by God that they were lying on the floor literally in the dust in this tent weeping and repenting of their sins as God moved on them. It, it was their parents who'd been objecting to what had happened the night before. They, they didn't object after that. We have to be very careful not to quench the spirit of God. And... It, I, it, it, Basically, it it, it amuses me, but it it gives me great questions when when I hear church leaders say, we we try and make room for the Holy Spirit in our meetings. I thought, yikes. How much room does he get? Make time for him. Is it, what, five minutes, ten minutes, or does he get the whole lot? So, what we're doing on... Sunday evenings, we 're doing some what we call research and development r and d this is this is this is the r and d department of, of of eastgate and uh, and if if you 're not enjoying it then <laughs> you probably want to come some other time but because uh, we're not we 're not stopping. <clears throat> And on, on the day of Pentecost, Peter got up to try and explain. He so said, look, this, uh, uh, these people aren't drunk like you think they are. And I think it's fascinating when you try and f- he tries to find a, a way of, of explaining it from the Bible, which is, is useful. But when you say, this is that, I thought, it doesn't look much like that, really. <laughs> because actually God does something that you might never have seen before. And the best way to judge it is by its fruit. fruit. And that's not usually immediately manifest. The greatest danger you've got is judging something by its external manifestations. Because you can't tell what's happening with somebody from the outside. But you can tell by the fruit that happens in their lives. So I'll tell you, let's be fruit inspectors, not manifestation police, okay? Okay? It's not, it's not up to us. And I've done, I've done this for many, many years, and people say, is that, is that the spirit or is that the flesh? Well, I say, well, I've definitely got flesh, and it probably wouldn't look like that if I didn't have flesh. So, so, so it's a bit of a silly question, really, because so, so my spirit is manifests through my flesh. I think they're trying to say, are you making it up or not? Well and that's, that's a question in the heart that's actually decided and when 1 Corinthians 12 settles that one very easily it says that you can't say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit so if you want to glorify Jesus as Lord just don't get worried about it if you want to curse Jesus it won't be the Holy Spirit but I don't think any of you want to do that so, so and then it says that the manifestations are given for the common good they're given to build us all up so if we suppress other people's manifestations what will we lack? some part of the common good There you go. And speaking in tongues is a beautiful gift that God's given to you. I'm going to read out... Sorry, we're nowhere near the Bible verses I gave you in, so I knew it was going to go... So that was, that was kind of... Um, I tried to predict what I was going to preach on to, to Ian, but um, I'm nowhere near it. So, In Mark 16, because we just sung a song for the sake of the world, you know, on a boom. Yeah. I want, do we mean it, or do we just sing it? But that's, it's, it's a great song to sing, and you can sing it within these four walls and go out, oh, we had a great meeting. Um, it, the outcome will be that the world is, is impacted by the fire that you've received. That's what you've just sung. <laughs> okay? And so Jesus, at the end of Mark chapter 16, is basically the, similar to, to the, the Great uh, Commission you find at the end of Matthew, uh, in Matthew 28, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, and, and Jesus said this, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. So I've asked this question before. Who, who is that referring to as believing? Us? It, it, just read the passage. It says, so. It's referring to people who believe. Those who believe will be saved. So for those people who just got saved, we'll see this stuff. You don't graduate to it, you get born into it. If you're born again, this is what comes with you. This, this is what comes with the package of being born again. It's not, it's not something... And that's so why I want to tell you that the, um, speaking in tongues is a gift. It's not something you earn. It's a gift of tongues. It's not something you work yourself up to. But it's a gift to be used and... The devil is out there and he loves to rob you of the gifts that God gives. And he's got very sneaky ways of trying to get at it. Praying in tongues doesn't make you a superior Christian, but it does make you a stronger one. Do you want to be the strongest Christian you can possibly be? Well... uh, (laughs) then it says the gift of tongues builds you up it edifies you it's actually there to to build you up the other gifts are, are aimed towards other people but this is the gift that's there for your strengthening it's a gift that God's given to you so he goes on these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe they will cast out demons in my name they will speak in new languages there it is they will be able to handle snakes with safety it's not very relevant in the UK, thankfully. But, um... More handy in some other far-flung parts of the world. They would, if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. This is normal Christianity. And that was what Jesus actually said to the disciples. Then it goes on to say, And when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in, in the place of honour at God's right hand, and the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So how does God confirm the gospel? In Acts 14 verse 3, it says this as well, that God confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are a normal part of Christianity. Christianity. And that there, it's, it's very difficult to preach the gospel effectively without signs and wonders. It was never designed to, to be like that. Because that's the way God says, actually, the people will know it's me because I'm going to do miracles that don't come about by any human hand. That's how Jesus did it. Here's an example. If anybody, The best, 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 bestest Bible teacher ever. Said if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe on the evidence of the miracles. One of the things we need to, to grapple with, and I was talking about it this morning, um, was the place of apostles in the church. And the, the Ephesians four, um we can get Ephesians four verse is if we start at verse one actually. Back on back on to part of the sermon, I go. <laughs> Okay, I want you to look at this. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So what calling have you received? I've just read it out to you in Mark 16. The calling is to follow him and do the stuff. So are you living up to that? Is that your expectation? Living up to the calling is not, not trying to get yourself sin free. Jesus did that. Living up to your calling is actually living up to this standard of Christianity. This is the the expectation of your calling. That's what you're meant to be living up to. Not as a threat, but this is is the standard. Be completely humble and gentle. Okay, Be humble. Don't get proud about it. When you do miracles, remember it's a gift. (laughs) Miracles. It's the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a gift to you. You haven't earned Him. There's no superiority and inferiority within Christianity. All, all get born again. And it goes on to say this, doesn't it? Be humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. So, we've only got one Spirit. Have you got the Holy Spirit? That's three of us. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad there's three of us in the room. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> I was worried I was the only one for a moment. Let's say that again. Have you got the Holy Spirit? Okay, so how confident should you be? Yeah, is he God? Or is he some idea? Is he a theological idea that you just take on? Oh, yeah, I've got him. No. See, we, we need to attach expectation to these truths. So if you believe you've got God inside you, then you should expect God to do stuff through you. And it's ridiculous to think he won't. And it's ridiculous to think, ask him to, to to pour out his fire on you and you won't feel something. If you ask God to give you his power, then it, you know, it's like trying to stick your fingers in the electric socket and expect nothing to happen. It's, it's silly. <laughs> one body, one spirit, just as you were called to what? One hope? When you were called? Now, I want you to take note. How many ones there are here? So we've got... One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Get the idea? One. One. One spirit. Oh, so there's one, 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 one. But, so coming out of that oneness, all this unity, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ it. So what happens is, in this unity, every one of us gets something portioned to us. This is your part. And it's not earned, it's given. Okay. This is why it says, let's go to the next one. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Flip through, go down to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So the gifts, these fivefold gifts... (coughs) Are gifts. No, and I want to, it's really important, like I say, they're not titles. It's not a promotion ladder. It's, it's, it's not something, an aspiration. If you do a really good job as a home group leader, you can work your way up <laughs> the ladder somehow of, 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 of human favour and stuff. So, whoo, did a really good job with that, you can become one of them. You can't become one of them if you're not gifted to be one of them. And don't try and be one of them if you're not one of them, because you, you, you're going to have a really hard job trying to be one of them. But, I, I, I want to intimate, actually that I'm not sure these are as rare as we think they are. Because, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service. How many of you still need equipping? Okay, so we still need the gifts. Keep going. Next one. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Do you think we've got there yet? Oh, I think that's a pretty certain thing. So... so. So when people say these gifts have disappeared, then that's ridiculous. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the way God has designed it. So Jesus, I think, in order for us to become the fullness of Christ, every one of us needs to be apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, uh, able to teach and also able to actually look, look look out for one another, yeah? Jesus is the apostle. He is the prophet. He is the good teacher. He is the good shepherd, and he is the good news. So when it says he he gave these gifts, he, every one of them, all five, are a part of who Jesus is. That's and you put those five together, you'll get the fullness of God. Without all five operating together, you will have some of Jesus, but not fullness. And and none of them are superior to another. It's like saying oh, which bit of Jesus is superior? It's silly. Nothing, but with, they are different gifts, and they they operate in in, in a, a particular way. And in one Corinthians twelve, it says actually that the, the apostles are have to be given the priority of in order of function, and then the prophets, and then the teachers. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. But clearly, and I want to just say this, that is not anything to do with a hierarchy or a superiority. And so equality is actually vitally important if you're gonna see these released on, on planet Earth more and more and more. Um, and that's why we're taking quite a bit of time about the equality is different. It's a really important day that we, we, we're putting together um, and working at it quite hard. Kim, in particular, my wife, is, she's really working, studying around it. And it's going to be it's a great day. But it's not just a day. It's actually going to be informing our whole environment. We need to, we need to sort out this issue of, of being one and equal in Christ, why are you equal with anybody else sitting next to you? I've already told you, so you, you you're one and you've got the same spirit, and are you seated with him in heavenly places? You cannot be you cannot have a higher position than being seated with him in heavenly places. Therefore stop comparing yourself to anybody else. The devil one of the devil's tactics is comparison comparison and also if you get confident in using your gifts the other thing that will come your way is you get you'll get accused of being arrogant there's a massive difference between confidence and arrogance you're meant to be confident in your gifts which is why i say say to start speaking in tongues because i'm confident that it can happen that confidence releases others if i say i'm not sure if you can and i'm not too sure of my own gift therefore we'll have a go shall we you that, that is completely different. It's like, you know, go, go out onto to, to the, to the streets, the Gravesend, or wherever you are, or in your workplace, and say, look, I want, I want to tell you about Jesus, but I'm not sure about it. I'm not too sure about the message, and I think, mm, you know, it's possible you could get to heaven if you believe this, but I'm really not quite sure, sure about it. You see, that is ridiculous, isn't it? Do you think pre- preaching a message like that is, is silly? Therefore, not being confident in the fact that we can heal the sick is also silly. Not being confident in the gifts that we have. <clears throat> but I remember when I, I, was, I was born again when I was 16 and God baptised me in the Spirit, just out of the blue. had no instruction about it, it just happened. I thought, well, it's kind of weird, and very weird. Seriously, if you've never heard it before and you've got no Christian background and it starts happening to you, Weird very weird, um, wasn't, really wasn't sure what to make of it, anyway. Um, but I had, had to battle through to, to develop the gift, so I was strengthened through it. And then when I told other people about it, they said, oh, you can't do that. Seriously, that was like, why can't I do it? They said, well, you just can't. It stopped. And also the other, the other language that came out, and some of you would have experienced this, is, 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 is that people say, oh, so you think you're a superior Christian, do you? Because you can pr- pr- speak in tongues and I don't. Did anybody else experience that? That, I said, no I'm not trying to say I'm superior I've just got a gift getting Christmas presents doesn't make me superior to anybody else it's just I've got a gift but if I've been given a gift it's stupid to neglect it and actually in fact you can have it as well and that's why at university um, I was confident in this and then I led probably well, well over a hundred people into being baptised in the spirit and speaking in tongues because it's normal and I said look it's normal in the Bible do you want it? and they said okay I think back in in those days we battled for the gaining the the, the gifts of the holy spirit spirit in terms of speaking in tongues prophecy i think we're still battling with regard to healing and miracles but the words of knowledge and stuff like that have become much more established and accepted as normal within christianity because people paid the price of, of fighting the battle just to normalize these these are normal christianity i think we're, we're in a similar state now of trying to normalize and get this ephesians 4 stuff back into church life in its proper dimension if they're that important for the church they can't be that rare jesus would not have said i'm going to give these gifts good luck trying to find one <laughs> and i used to have uh, so I've, I've worked with lots of churches for many many years and um, with the concept of, of that apostles existed, but they were of quite a rare breed. Um, and if you got, got time with an apostle, you sort of treasured it like nothing else. And it was an apostle. You had to look for an apostle. And I want to tell you, even that's an unbiblical idea. Because apostles are apostles, plural, broadly speaking. And in, in the New Testament, you will rarely find them operating on their own. One or two places. Peter, when he goes to Cornelius's house, elsewhere is apostles. They, 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 they do it plur- plurally. Yeah, they're they're plural. They're not as our prophets and and teachers and pastors and yeah, we're used to that. But actually, it's a plural. so. But I want to read something out to you that, that um, I read out this morning because I think it will inform you of, of the some of the battle that goes on, which is sim- similar to me in what we've had to to work through in terms of normalising gifts of the Spirit like speaking in tongues and prophecy. And so this is a a portion of a a book on systematic theology that's very well used in the Christian world, broadly speaking. I think probably, in my estimation, probably the one that's the most used in Christianity around the world uh, certainly evangelical Christianity around the world would refer to the, this systematic theology, um, which in many ways is, 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 is very, very good. On this, I think it's terrible. Um, but I want, to, I want to read it out to you so you get an idea what it says. So uh, this is about apostles. It said, It is noteworthy that no major leader in the history of the church, not Athanasius, than Athanasius, whatever his name is, or Augustine, not Luther or Calvin, not Wesley or Whitfield, has taken to himself the title of apostle, or let himself be called an apostle. If any in modern times, any, okay, watch out, if any in modern times want to take the title apostle to themselves, they immediately raise the suspicion that they may be motivated by inappropriate pride and desires, desires for self exaltation, along with excessive ambition. How about that? And a desire for much more authority in the church than any one person should rightfully have. How much would you think that informs you not to call yourself an apostle? You wouldn't dare, would you? I'm serious. This, This is this is serious. I think it's very difficult for people who who have been gifted by Jesus as apostles for the church to own up to it because of this sort of stuff. Why would you? I don't think we have the same problem with pastors or teachers, or evangelists, or even prophets. Now, this this is this is very specific. Sort of, you know. It, so, 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 you know, basically, it says line yourself up along Luther and Calvin, or Wesley or Whitfield. How dare you think you are? This 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 is this is a, a uh, in a systematic theology book. This has got no. No reference to theology. it 's got a reference to a lot of fear of selfish ambition and exhortation and pride. and I don 't believe that 's heaven 's wisdom. I believe it, 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 it 's actually very damaging because I think it actually leads to, to, to fear, and it certainly suppresses it. And I just want to say, and one of the reasons it is is because it talks about taking to oneself the title rather than talking about gifts, and also uh, uh, elevating oneself to a higher position. That's why hierarchy is a problem for the church. It is suppressing the gifts within the church because they're all being framed with the context of, of, of where do you fit and how dare you try and be one of those. This is actually what I would call papal thinking, and and I think it's a massive problem. I'm, I'm identifying it for you because I've got it in my sights. We need to we need to break beyond that, <coughs> because the apostles are the ones actually who basically what they'll do is they'll make sure you are fired up by the Holy Spirit. Wherever they go, that's the first question they ask. They're, 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 they're a bit they're a little bit predictable. <laughs> Have you received the Holy Spirit? Why not? You haven't heard of him? No problem, we'll tell you about him. And then they lay hands on you, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. These are people confident in the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and they won't deviate from it, which is great. Because that has to be the first, first part of Christianity, is that we are connected to God in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's the only way that we will operate on earth. Now... Again, ha- for how long has, has certainly the Western church operated without power? Without miracles, and then we make up ways of getting around it, and then explain it away. One of the reasons we don't see it is because of this sort of stuff. So the Bible talks about what the signs of apostles are, and it says actually in um, 2 Corinthians twelve twelve, it says the signs of apostles are, Signs, wonders and miracles. Paul's, Paul's actually basically saying that there were... Um, <clears throat> okay, verse 11. I've made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I'm not in the least inferior to the super-apostles. Now, what was going on was that there were people who had come along and they were c- c- uh, claiming to be apostles with a degree of superiority. Superior, inferior. And Paul challenges them. He says, "Even though I'm nothing, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles." And basically, if you read the passage, he's quite straight. He's really, you can see, he's quite hot under the collar about it. He says, "I challenge them to a duel." Basically, (laughs) he does. He says, "The duel is, have they got power or not?" This is the duel. He says, "We'll see who's 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 really got it. Have they got any power?" And in the book of Corinthians it talks about actually that when the gospel is preached it shouldn't be just done with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so your faith might not rest on men's wisdom but on the power of god people are meant to be born again into an expectation of the power of god rather than an intellectual exercise where you try and persuade other people now, there's nothing wrong with using your intellect, but if that's what you're going to base, base your preaching the gospel on, you will lack. And Paul, Paul confronts it. He says, actually, we'll see. So an apostolic foundation will not let you get away without power. How would you feel if we started to identify more apostles? Because I think there is a good number within Eastgate. We go, Ooh, who are they? Am i one of them Um, the reality is you can't make yourself one of them and I can't make you one of them either I can't train you to be one but I can recognise the gifts and we need to be able to do that more and more amongst ourselves we need to recognise the prophets the evangelists the pastors and the teachers I I would suggest that all of those gifts are suppressed to some degree and we need to get them into their right place And when we start to talk, now what we're trying to not do is give titles, yeah. but we're trying to help, we've got to break through this, of not being frightened of actually talking about these things, for fear of what people will think. Now, I'm not going to be in control of what people think outside, but actually within the Eastgate, we can sort ourselves out. Does that make sense to you? And uh, because what I do know is if we start to go down this route, some of this thinking will come our way but I'm willing to pay that price to get out the other side of this because it, I believe it's this important. And that's why I've been wanting to get hold of what we're doing on the, the Sunday evenings, not because there was anything wrong with them in the past. There wasn't. There were, you know, we will have all sorts of things, but I just think I want to put some emphasis on what we're going to do in this whole dimension of the fivefold ministries and come, come and be part of the R&D and let's have fun and see what God's going to do. And number one, we're going to enjoy the activity of the Holy Spirit without any apology or reservation. So there we go. It's going to be a fun ride. I'd like you to stand and we're going to pray. Not because I'll end the meeting just by praying. I want you to pray pray in tongues again, okay? Rather than being, being used to being prayed for. I want you to stir up the Spirit within you. Now... I'm going to say to you, if you are not confident that you pray in tongues, I want you to ask for the gift right now, because hopefully you've seen from Mark chapter 16, it's there for you. Okay? So start praying in tongues, and then we'll drown you out. Okay, so, so if you're not absolutely confident, I want you to be confident in this, that if you ask for a gift, God will give it to you. He, then, then, he would then expect you to start using it. And the best way I know to help you start speaking in tongues is say, make some noise. Don't worry about what the noise is. If your heart's directed towards Jesus is Lord, then you can't go wrong. That's the, it's the motivation of your heart that's the issue, not, not the sound that comes out of your mouth. So I want to see this because this is a key, it's a key gift that we need to see released and, and we need to see it utilized. Because when you, when you pray for somebody to be born again, you need to be confident that when you lay hands on them, they will be baptized in the Spirit and start speaking in tongues because that's the heritage. So the reason I'm doing about this, I want you to get confident in this so that when you are uh, making disciples, you will lay hands on them, baptize them in the Holy Spirit, and they will start to speak in tongues, okay? That's normal Christianity. Father, I release the fire of heaven in this place right now in greater measure. Wow, we embrace the gifts that you give to us, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And we refuse any hierarchical thinking. We thank you that we've all been made equal. We're all one in Christ, that there is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, and yet there are different gifts. Lord, we believe in equality with difference. Wow! Thank you for the difference we see in one another. We treasure the different gifts that we have. We treasure one another as members of the same body who worship the same Lord.